Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast here. Uh, thank you, Arizona Cardinals fans, for tuning in week after week, coming back with the second show of the week after the Cardinals defeated the Green Bay Packers 22-17 in Lambeau Field. A great game that my co-host, uh, Johnny, actually got to see in person. Uh, he is right here, as always, the illustrious John Venerable at Johnny's Football. John, how are you doing? I'm great, Blake. How are you, sir? Doing good. Hey, so let's go and jump right into this here. So we talked last time about breaking down the Cardinals game. We'll get into the Lions game a bit later today. We kind of wrapped up with some of our questions we had from listeners, and I think we want to talk this, some of this episode about what do we see with the Cardinals for the future with the 2019, specifically when it comes to whether it's with the draft, with the head coaching search. Um, I, I do think at least with Mike McCarthy being out there, he's been someone that some Cardinals fans have considered, although I would think it might be a little bit less Andy Reid, a little bit more of perhaps this is a guy who ends up kind of being, a, if he doesn't adjust, perhaps you'll end up seeing a guy who is Jeff Fisher. Maybe that's a little bit of an extreme case considering how Fisher kind of took in some cases a similar route. Perhaps you'll see a bit of an Andy Reid, but John, let's talk a little bit just with the Cardinals needs because I want to start and open this up with the offensive line as I went and broke it down for this is what you looked at for week one for the Arizona Cardinals. And this, this is perhaps one of the saddest things I think that I've seen in a while as a Cardinals fan, even with some of the poor offensive performances, your opening starting lineup to begin the year was Sam Bradford, at quarterback, you David Johnson at running back, Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk were basically your, your starters. I think Chad Williams was the actual starter for the game. He's coming back this weekend. DJ Humphreys at left tackle. Mike Upati, AQ Shipley was your guy in preseason. Uh, you were even looking at least at right guard with Justin Pugh and Andre Smith at right tackle. And then you look at the tight ends of the team. Ricky Seals-Jones was basically the tight end since Jermaine Gresham wasn't even healthy enough to come back. And the fullback was Derek Coleman. As of right now, you've been missing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those players now, if you count Christian Kirk at least, are now out for the season with season-ending injuries or are released in the cases of Sam Bradford and Andre Smith. John, we, we're looking at a complete offensive rebuild where you're talking about seven of the 11 players who basically were bringing into your season are now gone and off the team. You're a starting offensive lineup. If Jerry Humphreys misses another week, I and mean, even this week it was there, you were looking at a all-second-team offensive line. And that was a bit depressing to be able to think about, especially when you're talking about with a rookie quarterback being a different guy every single week at least I don't think there's been a single week that has had the same offensive line John this O-line isn't just shambles right now what is the steps the Cardinals need to be able to take to be able to fix this and how much of this falls on Steve Kime with the evaluation how much of it falls on the fact that they swung and missed to Humphreys and you just have to reevaluate and redraft the offensive line and be able to build on all of that right 100% of it falls on Steve Kime he, he's been 
uh, in charge of, of rebuilding an offensive line that was just as bad uh, in 2012-2013 when he got the GM job. Hasn't been able to do that outside of a, a, an outlier year in 2015. Uh, and so, yeah, we're at the point now where it's a complete and total gut job. Nobody, uh, including Mason Cole, who I think is playing admirably, uh, admirably uh, for a rookie uh, at center, Nothing's guaranteed at this point. Um, he's somebody who I think has got to put on some muscle, some strength in the offseason. Uh, but you look at the both tackle positions, I think are going to be up for grabs, as well as both guard positions. Justin Pugh will probably be back just because of the salary, but certainly I think he's a replacement-level offensive lineman at this point who can't stay healthy. So you think about – here's what I will say to counter your original point, Blake. I think the Cardinals' offensive line – could improve as the season goes on because I think that they have guys in there now and you saw it on Sunday who are going to give a better effort than the individuals we saw earlier in the season. And I hate to be the effort guy, uh, especially when you're talking about, you know, pro football players, guys who you, you want to believe care about what they do. Mike Ayupati for some time has been injury prone, inconsistent. You know, who's to say that the replacements they've got now can't at least give them a push up front superior to what Mike was doing. And I thought Mike had a, a pretty solid game to begin the, the, the first half on Sunday. He, but he's just been too inconsistent. Clearly the Cardinals are better with any player other than Andre Smith playing right to tackle. Will Holden had been brought back uh, as a free agent off the street, clearly kept himself in shape. I thought performed fine on Sunday and then I think the biggest indictment of this coaching staff right now is the fact that Corey Cunningham, who looks as one of their better tackles, has to have been a better option than Andre Smith. And it took an Andre Smith, you know, embarrassment against San Diego for him to even crack the lineup. Really, it took a DJ Humphreys injury for the Cardinals to see how, how good Corey Cunningham could potentially be. He is somebody, I think, that gives you a reason for optimism heading into next year. 6'6", somebody I think who could add a little bit of uh, strength to his game. But I think from a, you know, from a, from a perspective of he was a seventh-round rookie, uh, he was the 254th pick in the draft uh, from a small school, has an opportunity now to come in and, and contribute the last four weeks of the season and really have an audition. The Cardinals could, could conceivably start him in either left or right tackle next year, depending on how the offseason shakes out. It, it, to build an offensive line, it takes multiple off-seasons, multiple commitments. The Colts just now are at a point where they feel like they're comfortable with the offensive line, and they've sunk so many resources in it. Dallas, you know, Tyron Smith, he was a, the same draft as Patrick Peterson. It took multiple drafts uh, thereafter to get Travis Frederick and Zach Martin. I mean, premium offensive talent, offensive line talent, presumably goes in the first, what, 50 to 60 picks in the draft? Great offensive linemen, rarely hit free agency because everybody needs them. And so, to me, I think that you look to make a jump, presumably from being the second or worst offensive line in football this year, to maybe you can get up in the, maybe the high 20s, the, the late teens, uh, something to that effect. So if you've got the 18th, 19th, 20th best offensive line, you've got a couple key building blocks. And then it, it's going to take you about two or three years to really get this group to a position where you could be dominant. And that's if you hit – on all these individuals in the draft. If you hit on a Jonah Williams, if you can find a couple key free agent signings, um, maybe you can put together something that is, you know, top 10. But right now, to me, this offensive line is, 
I, I, I'm looking forward to watching it for one reason, Blake, and it's I want to see the effort. I tweeted this out before the game, before the Cardinals ran for 180 yards against the Green Bay Packers. Who wants to be an Arizona Cardinal? <laughs> because I think these are auditions the final four or five weeks of the season to give you a sense of if Steve Kime's still around, you know, who gave the effort and who didn't? You know, Andre Smith, to me, was not an effort guy, was not a technique guy, was out of shape. Let's see these young guys in there and see how they play, and maybe one or two of them get a, get a permanent audition for 2019. That's, that's kind of the silver lining, but I, I don't think that anybody can dismay the fact that they look better with some of these replacement-level players in there. Now, whether that carries over, we'll have to see. But, uh, again, Detroit doesn't have a great pass rush either. Uh, I, I think they have an opportunity to carry this over one more week. Yeah, John, I would agree they have an opportunity for that, especially with the Lions. Um, one thing I was interested in or intrigued about that was uh, was kind of looking at when you're talking about who wants to be here for 2019, looking at the cornerstone players. I mean, the easy ones are there to spot out. Like, you're still going to include David Johnson in there, and then some of the young guys as far as with Cole, with Kirk, uh, looking even at Chase Edmonds, and then Corey Cunningham. Outside of the Chris Campbell pick, at least, that he was released after camp for that, you could at least say that Steve Kime hit a home run, at least so far, with the first-year results from this draft and some of that is maybe the Cardinals you can argue aren't talented enough where the rookies are having to play but on the other hand it's also recognizing that rookies don't have to play you can always go out and find a veteran who will play over a rookie at least if you want to in the NFL if a rookie is playing at least it means that in some cases they have earned at least that much of a right to go in unless you've got a you know different type of head coach for the most part and that's been probably the biggest positive I think I would look at um, other guys as far as building blocks you want to look around as you're hoping at least with Peterson and Fitzgerald for next year at least maybe it's more winning at least later in the season if they do win the lines or even if you just take a look at the Green Bay game if they lose out Wilkes goes perhaps it's always been kind of in the for one or both of them to come back. Uh, Buda Baker was a guy who, that was one of the I think, scariest game situations where he went down, looked like he was having the same right knee injury. Ends up coming back in the game, at least for that one, plays fine. It looks like there's not anything to be concerned about, maybe just having to be careful with that. And that he's wearing a knee brace now on that knee as well. But Christian Kirk going out, I think, does kind of hurt in the aspect of he and Rosen were still building just a tremendous amount of camaraderie together. He's still been one of his best friends on the team with that one. One of the things I want to talk about, at least as we get into the kind of some of the draft and previewing the team is defensive tackle because Rodney Gunter seemed to make some great plays in the game. He, I believe, had a sack of Aaron Rodgers in the game. And even though there weren't very many pressures, I think maybe the one sack was Chandler Jones, but he had some pressure at least on Aaron Rodgers. He's been a guy I could see the Cardinals keeping. I also wonder if he's a guy who, with Corey Peters in the fold, another team is going to pay him more perhaps than Arizona would want given the rotation. After having his best game of his career, Robert Kimdichie didn't start the game, rarely played, and when he did have the snaps, he had five tackles, I believe, but he overall was kind of an invisible. John, I, I think it's interesting, at least for when we're seeing kind of that roller coaster of up and downs, at least. It's, it was still a little bit surprising to me that, that they wouldn't have him be a say, all right, you had your best start of the game. Go out, let's see what you got. You, mean, you want to build on it? You want to make your case for next year? The fact that they didn't have that happen is a little bit interesting to me, at least. I don't know if it's a concern or not, or if it's just the way that they're kind of handling that. Maybe Kadichi just is a guy who's ended up somehow in the doghouse. Or I don't, I don't know if it's a way to keep him motivated, not to permanently hand him back the starting job. The reason he played as well as he did against San Diego was get called out by the front office and the coaching staff for being in the training room too often. And so make him earn it. When he plays snaps, make sure they're valuable. Don't take them for granted. Uh, and the Cardinals, to me, um, you know, I thought he played okay when he was in there. I thought he was in the backfield a couple times. He made a couple nice tackles, running down the line and tackle Aaron Jones. So, um, to me, Kim Dichie 
Uh, it's crazy to say it right now. Of the three first rounders mm-hmm. uh, that we, that were drafted between 2015 and 2017, that being Reddick, Kim Dichie, obviously in 2016, and then DJ Humphreys. I think DJ Humphreys might be. I definitely think he's the most talented of the three. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the season, we could be looking at him as potentially having the best future with the team yeah, because yeah. Humphreys can't get on the field, can't play. Didn't look particularly great when he did play this year. Reddick looks like a liability at, at some points. Kandichi, at least when he's on, is a great player. It, that may only be 20% of the time, but we've seen the, the vision of and flashes of greatness. And to his credit, he came out and said, I'm motivated now. Well, let's see it every week. And uh, he dressed and played. Uh, DJ Humphreys, I thought, was going to play last week. They, they, they said the entire week, and I'm not knocking the guy if he's legitimately injured, but there's a difference between being hurt and hurting and being injured. That goes back to, you know, peewee football. Is DJ Humphreys tough enough to saddle up with his, with his teammates in 25-degree weather in Lambeau Field? After saying all week, I'm going to play, he looked good, and then, oh, my knee's bothering me again. He, I don't think he's played barely half of the, the, the games he's been drafted for. I think he's missed at least half. I saw some you know, crazy statistic that since he was drafted, he sat out his whole rookie year. And I'm not getting on a, a DJ Humphrey tangent, but I'm just, I'm, I, I like to put him in perspective when it comes to Kim Dichie because at least we've seen Kim Dichie be a dominant player at some point. Uh, but I have not seen that from those other two first-rounders. So it's just crazy to put that in perspective. Yeah, availability is obviously – it's like the three things you want to look for in scouting, I think, is a, is a good way it was summed up, was you want to look for uh, – first of all, you want to look for, I think, performance as far as do they actually, like, you know, perform when, when the lights are on? Do they rack up stats or tackles for that one? I think that's the first thing you want to look at. You then want to be able to look at at least as far as not just with the performance, the production, you want to make sure that they're matching up with an athletic profile as far as are they going to be a person like, you know, who's super productive in college, gets the NFL, and suddenly they're just getting pushed around or can't keep up with guys. That's the one thing you want to look for as far as with athleticism and production. And the last thing I think you really want to look for at least is availability. And the the hope at least is that they've got the smarts and the mind that goes. But those are kind of the three big things that will be when you're going into scouting. And we've seen with the Cardinals where I think they missed it. Humphreys at least has been availability has been a huge miss and even though I, I would at least argue that with as far as with talent for football players Kandichi's probably at least with his size and his athleticism the perspective you would think that he would be much much more uh, as far as you know uh, dominant at least than he has been in the NFL and I think part of that is when I went back at least looking at some old scouting reports at least of what they talked about with Kandichi it was interesting because you look at what they talked about as far as some of the weaknesses the biggest thing they talked about was He's such a dominant athlete as far as what it is, but he's a guy who's so incredibly raw and he's in a spot where you talk about him as a top 10 football talent, but maybe not a top 10 football player. You talk about inconsistencies, needing discipline. Uh, there's a lot of questions, at least, where people are like, hey, does he want to be able to be great? You talk at least about where you talk about with his gap integrity, on-field discipline, needing improving, as well as being able to have kind of bad habits he'd have as well as some durability concerns. Yet. That's literally the exact same thing in the scouting report that you see in the NFL. And some of that is maybe guys don't change as much as 
they're supposed to, at least when they get to the NFL level, or don't develop as much. They are kind of can sometimes be maybe who they are for the most part. And then you see coaching get the best out of them on their strengths. But I think that's been part of the issue with Kandichi is that he really hasn't changed or developed. And Humphreys has been very similar, I think, as far as seeing that dominant run blocking problem, but still coming off of injuries when the Cardinals drafted him. And I think that's one of the interesting parts for me is as far as drafting injured players. I'm curious, at least, is how some NFL teams do have a rule that if a player is injured coming out, at least where they're not able able to be like you know able to perform at the combine you don't draft them so some of that will be interesting to see with questions of a guy like like both with some of those injuries and I think that'll be kind of the shift into releases we talked about with the offensive line maybe where the Cardinals are going to be picking it'll be a little bit more favorable but John let's let's talk about what the defensive line because I've seen a lot of Cardinals fans at least are kind of questioning that might be the big question all offseason is are the Cardinals going to get in a spot where they'll be able to land one of the Nick Bosa's the Quinn and Williams the Ed Olivers of the world and if so should they neglect that and go for offense instead I think that's going to be the question I'll kind of pose to you now on the defensive line man that's a great question and thankfully we don't have to answer it today because it's <laughs> December 3rd but for fun I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll give an answer I think that the Cardinals are in, are in a position now I I, I still am, am pessimistic that they're going to win another game this season I thought the chips fell very favorably for them with a lot of the other subpar to bad teams winning the Cardinals are still in the top 10 or top five I should say they're fourth overall uh and so you could you could see a scenario in which listen the trade down aspect of it the quarterbacks are not as good as they were last year clearly and so the the opportunity to trade down for Balania picks probably doesn't exist unless you're in the number one overall spot somebody wants to come up for a Haskins uh but from a Cardinal perspective, it is a it is a defensive line rich draft. You, you're going to be able to get a dominant defensive lineman uh, on paper. Uh, I think anywhere from from one to ten. I think that there are so many great defensive linemen. The Cardinals just want to stay home and take some of uh, or take a great defensive end or defensive tackle. I have no problem with that. And I think that from an offensive tackle perspective, guys always rise. We always see guys, um, you know make a name for themselves, whether it be at the East-West Shrine game to the Senior Bowl to the Combine. So as much as we all love Jonah Williams right now, there's no reason that some of these other ones, um, Little, the kid from um, Ole Miss, some of these other players may not see their stock continue to rise. And so um, what I would say is if it's, if it's even, if all uh, of the, the rankings are even on your big board, with let's say a Rashawn Gary or an Ed Oliver, like you mentioned, um, or even like a Josh Allen, uh, defensive end out of Kentucky, who's fantastic. And then you've got Jonah Williams sitting there, and they're all even. I think I think I would go offensive tackle because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, prioritizing Rosen's health is the number one thing because he's your franchise. Uh, but if you don't have a, a particularly high grade on Jonah Williams, if he's gone. If Greg Little isn't is a second or third to your tackle to you, some of these other tackles aren't impressing you, then you go with your best player available. You you take the best player available and you add to a defensive line who I think could be much improved next offseason with a couple tweaks in free agency. Quentin Williams would look great next to Chandler Jones on the defensive line. Um, again, and you're going to have a lot of these guys uh, hopefully – emerging as, as great players because they're playing next to Chandler Jones. I think any pass rusher who gets to play opposite Chandler Jones, I think Marcus Golden uh, 
played well in 2015 because or 2016 because they got to, he got to go opposite uh, Chandler Jones and he reaped the benefits with 13 and a half sacks. Uh, I think that any any pass rusher is going to be able to to do that and pick Chandler Jones' brain for the latter half of his career. So um, I would always go tackle um, if if everything's even. But if not, I have no. This, the Cardinals are in a great spot this year. It's not like they're a bunch of tweener players at positions that they don't need that they feel like they have to draft. There's going to be a player that fits a need for this team because this team needs a lot, um, and it's going to be at a, a key position either on the offensive or defensive line. Yeah, I've, a lot of Cardinals fans I've talked to are really like hoping that like I there's like I've even talked to a Cardinals fan today. He's like, I hope that the team just keeps winning because I just want Nikhil Harry on my team. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't think you can throw to Nikhil Come Harry because he's back. Uh, and, and that's the thing is a lot of and a lot of it I think is also is that there's the Fitz narrative because and this is also something that falls in Steve Kime is they've never really found a true number two since Anquan left to be able to kind of be the heir apparent to Larry Fitzgerald and you, you see it even now with uh, you look at the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh you know you go from Heinz Ward at least and also you get the next guy for a while and Mike Wallace and then you end up seeing Antonio Brown and then you start to see that Juju Smith-Schuster at least has got like you know a pair of 90-yard touchdowns this season is already kind of in place at least with Antonio Brown hitting 30 years old so it's just that type of whether it's scouting and drafting and developing there's just something that's been kind of missing where the Cardinals and part of it is they just don't seem to take a whole lot of wide receivers overall at least Christian Kirk is a guy who was like oh yeah that's uh, pretty much a, that'll that'll work was kind of the idea but I, I think at least I would still obviously build at least and I'm a guy who first want to see where the Cardinals are picking like this may be a team where let's say that they end up winning a game against maybe Detroit next week and maybe even they go into the Falcons at least they have motivation or they steal one of the last you know two or three games of the year probably won't be the Rams game maybe if the Seahawks end up you know trying to rest guys for the playoffs and are already completely locked into their places at least would be the about the or the Cardinals are super motivated to continue to keep that streak of winning in Seattle going but uh, if the Cardinals went up and end up getting into like you know the later parts of the top 10 at least that would be very interesting to me because then you're going to start not having it be as clear of a picture right now at the number four pick you know the mock draft is going to be very much set about oh whichever the top four players they don't get whether it's Jonah Williams, Quentin Williams, Ed Oliver that's that's who they're going to be getting but if it ends up drifting a little bit different where they fall lower in the draft then you have to start questioning about whether there's going to be other tackles available if it's going to be another one of the defensive linemen so you're going to have to start talking about other corners that are there at least I really do like DeAndre Baker a whole lot as far as for he's able to kind of fit no matter whether it's in with Wilkes stays or in a different scheme with each of those and there's going to be interesting also questions about hey maybe the team ends up trading back there's going to be so much that happens if you move down that there's so much more to talk about whereas I think that I would be the kind of person who would be preferring the Cardinals to stay at the top end of the draft obviously because I think that it's easier to see where the talent lies this year but I also want the Cardinals to win I'm not a guy who wants to you know to, I think that with we talk about tanking and losing with draft picks as far as bringing about a losing culture and I think the Cardinals took a great step in winning on Sunday speaking of winning John let's let's go ahead and preview this Lions game this has been a very similar situation to the Arizona Cardinals where you brought a defensive head coach who's brought in we're expecting that you were going to be able to end up you know kind of almost the opposite you thought the offense would be able to continue you're keeping Jim Bob Cooter with the Lions you're keeping Matt Stafford and all of those weapons this is you know basically almost a playoff team last year I believe at least as far as the Detroit Lions 
were concerned. And you've just seen such a huge step back under Matt Patricia as far as the team being able to compete. They played really tough against the Rams for, you know, about two and a half to three quarters last week, only to kind of fall apart in the end as the Rams took over. John, what are your thoughts at least about the Detroit Lions? And this is a home game. Do you think that this is going to be a game where the Cardinals will continue? Or is this going to be kind of another case of Cardinals take a step forward, get a victory or a moral victory? And the following week, usually kind of we've seen a pretty big step back overall in a lot of cases. What are your thoughts about this Detroit Lions game? And a game where the Lions, I believe right now, are still favored, at least right now, is three and a half point. Uh, the Cardinals, I think, are three and a half point underdogs right now. Yeah, uh, just I, I like the Lions coming into this year because I thought they had a top third roster in the NFL. I thought that their skill players were fantastic. Uh, their offensive line, to me, is still one of the better underrated lines in the NFL. Love Taylor Decker. I love Frank Ragnall coming out last year. Ricky Wagner is somebody I would have loved the Cardinals to sign as a right tackle. And then their skill players, Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, Kenny Galladay in year two, Kerryon Johnson's a great player. They've just been decimated by injuries. They traded Golden Tate. Marvin Jones was never himself this year. Galladay's taking that next step, but he's about the only one. Kerryon Johnson's out presumably for the next week or so, so the Cardinals catch a break. Uh, and don't see him. Bruce Ellington is, is now their number two receiver. Uh, Stafford's mechanics going to the toilet when he has to make plays on his feet, and he's not in sync with his receivers at the moment. Uh, and then defensively, this is a team that should play better uh, than they have because Patricia gets quality performances out of them. Presumably last week, they, they did a nice job shutting down Jared Goff and the, and the L.A. Rams for the majority of that game, but they just couldn't hang on. Uh, and then they had great effort. Uh, against, uh, I believe, the Tennessee Titans as well as the New England Patriots. So um, you look at this team right now, especially defensively, have no pass rush. Ezekiel Anse is kind of a shell of himself. They're going to let him go at the end of the season. You know, they're counting on guys like castoffs from San Francisco, Eli Harold, to try to get some, some pressure. Uh, they were able to acquire um, Snacks Harrison. He's one of the better run-stuffing defensive tackles. Deshaun Hand uh, from the University of Alabama, Sean Robinson, there's they're pretty stout on the defensive line interior, very similar to what the Packers had uh, a week ago. So I could see the Cardinals, again, trying to utilize their edge speed. Uh, but it, I, I, I'm a little bit concerned because I think that this was a winnable game, certainly if you had Christian Kirk. And it's, that's high praise for a rookie if, if, if he made that big of an impact. But anybody that watched the Cardinals this year thought and saw that he was one of their better offensive players. The Cardinals, if, if they have a chance, and I think they do have a chance, to win this game, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be something to the effect of like 17-13, uh, maybe a defensive score, uh, certainly forcing turnovers. Um, Chandler Jones, maybe a sack force fumble, uh, maybe a special teams TD, uh, something to, to that effect. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if the Cardinals are going to be able to move the ball consistently. They haven't all year. And now with, with Kirk out, maybe Chad Williams steps in. Maybe they get DJ Humphreys back. Maybe they're able to run the ball. That's a lot of maybes. Uh, I think that it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think the Cardinals are going to be in it. I can't see the Lions blowing anybody out at this point with their lack of talent offensively. I mean, I'm looking at their 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 lack of their production offensively uh, the last couple weeks. I'll, I'll pull up the schedule here. Uh, they were not uh, overly successful uh, a week ago against the the LA Rams. Like I mentioned, the Rams actually uh, weren't able to to really get their offense going until the latter part of the second half. But again. Lions scored 16 against the Rams. They scored 16 against the Bears. They scored 20 against the Panthers, 
22 against the Bears, 9 against the Vikings, 14 against the Seahawks. You know, so you mentioned Jim Bob Cooter under the microscope right now. That's Cardinal-esque right there. I mean, they haven't scored 30 points since week two against the 49ers. Excuse me. I'm sorry. They scored week, uh, They scored uh, 32 points barely against the, the Miami Dolphins, but you get my point. They have been kind of a shell of themselves, have scored over 20 points one time, uh, or excuse me, two times in the last uh, six weeks, and only eclipsed 22 points one time. So a lot of stats thrown at you. Uh, just basically to, to let you know that the, the Lions aren't much better offensively than the Cardinals are, and I think it plays to their advantage. I'm not going to pick the Cardinals to win this game. I think the Lions win the game, uh, like I mentioned, something to the effect of like 17-14, but I think it's going to be close, and uh, it's certainly a watchable game at this point. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that that's, that's been the hardest thing, at least for me to figure out is I just feel like after this type of win, I was looking even at the locker room and this is kind of one of the stories I even had from like some of the, some of the scouting experience was uh, there was a team, at least in the arena football league that just took forever to be able to beat the Arizona Rattlers. They finally did. And there was videos posted to social media of them, like celebrating and cheering in their lockers for that one after they finally did that one. And so then they ended up meeting the Rattlers the second time around and they just got like blown, you know, blew the barn doors off of them for that one. And then there's the uh, Rattlers player, like, you know, posted a video to social media of just the team quietly, like, observing, like, you know, getting this stuff down from their lockers that weren't going crazy, weren't going there. It's like, a, this is how champions at least have to play. Like, this is just taking care of business for that one, learning and getting better. And we celebrate when, like, we actually, like, win the big one. So that's where it's tough for me because I see the post game, you know, Steve Wilkes at least with the team and they're celebrating. And some of it is because that's, like, Wilt can be, I think, part of the rah-rah stuff, and that's been, I think, part of why I think Michael Bidwell and Steve kind of liked at least some of that about him was that he's a serious guy who at least can, like, still want to try to be able to be one of those motivating types. Um, and it is still, like, it's a big deal for their third win to win on the road in Lambeau for that one. But just to have him just, like, the, that celebration of him be like, Victory Monday! It's like this kind of war cry, I think. With, like, It's been a while. It's great to see the players riled up for some of it for that one, but... It just reminded me, at least back with Bruce Arians in the day, we looked at him, he's like, the, that oh, and by the way, I'll see you guys on Wednesday. And it was just this kind of calming thing versus this overhype. So that's, I think, the biggest thing I'm wondering is I'm wondering if this ended up being as, like, looked at as kind of maybe a hard to say trap game, but I just have the feeling, at least with the Arizona Cardinals, of the way that they're trending and just with the leadership in the building, I just wonder at least if they got psyched up for a Packers game, at least, that they weren't supposed to win, one that was in the snow, came off of a disappointing loss for that one, at least it's like that where you're embarrassed, you wanted to go out and prove it. Now that you've gone and proven it, I just have the feeling, at least, that it could be a game where the, the the Lions offense, without the linebackers, they don't have another guy in Christian Kirk. Maybe they'll have some protection against the pass rush where Rosen's able to shine. The team was at least able to go back and do a pretty good job against the Rams. I, I wonder if they're going to dink and dunk the Cardinals to death is just the biggest concern. But because I went against them with the Cardinals last week, I think I'll pick the Cardinals to win this week. I think I'll take that same score you had at 17-14. Um, wow, maybe, shocking. I know, it's shocking for that one for me. I, I'll go ahead and pick the Cardinals at least to win with this week just because I think at this point in their careers, they're the more talented team, and I do think that maybe this is going to be start of kind of maybe some of the settling that's coming in. Because the Lions right now, they are such a bad team, and they've mismanaged a lot of the areas of the game. And I do wonder if this is going to be a spot as far as with Patricia. I had questioned at least if the Cardinals were going to be able to, like, you know, if they were still playing hard for Steve Wilkes at least. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Cardinals 17-14. I'll leave in the aspect that if the Lions do win, that, that that, of course, will be the, you know, kind of the 
uh, you know, the, uh, kind of allowed to take it back a little bit just because I do have some concerns, at least that not the same concerns I had going into the Packers game, at least, and the Cardinals proved me wrong. I'll go ahead and I'll pick them this week. I think that this may be the last one that they could have this season uh, going on the road against the Falcons team. And then again, the finish against the Niners and the Seahawks is going to be difficult. So that'll be kind of my prediction, at least overall for the game. And I think the biggest thing I want to see at least is still have the same type of protections, better protection against a team without as good pass rushers in the Lions. And I want to see the passing game really get opened up as best as they can. The, the Lions had Jared Goff a little bit off as far as for his play. There were still passing plays made. I'd love to see the Cardinals be able to go out, even without Christian Kirk there, be able to get David Johnson involved in the passing game as a wide receiver, have a lot of two running back formations, something we've been begging and asking them to do all season long. We get David Johnson, a wide receiver, put Chase Edmonds in the backfield. I would love to see that from the Cardinals. Don't know if we will, but uh, if they do end up going ahead with that type of a game plan, we see some more advancement. Would love to see the Cardinals be able to pick up another win, get a little bit of momentum before they inevitably face kind of a long stretch to finish out the season. Uh, any more comments you had at least over there on the John about what you're expecting, at least what you'd love to see from the Cardinals on Sunday? I'd love to see some kind of a emergence from one of these other wideouts now that Kirk is gone. Chad Williams needs to provide some kind of an impact. 2017 uh, third round pick that has made uh, less of an impact at this point than Brandon Williams has made uh, in his short career with the Cardinals, and that's saying something. So uh, I need to see somebody, J.J. Nelson, somebody help Josh Rosen out and, and get him some quality pass catchers and, and do him a solid because this is an opportunity this game. You're going to have plays to be made, hauling some difficult passes. Sherfield, to me, had one of the nicer catches of the day. I think it was like 21 yards um, for a first down. I think he's going to get more playing time, rightfully so. So maybe you found something there. But uh, this just, to me, strikes me as a Larry Fitzgerald game. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. I would say this will be um, the games against the Lions usually always favor the Cardinals up until last year. We'll see if that trend continues, at least. I know hopefully David Johnson, despite all of kind of breaking his wrist in that game, will be able to go out and have a solid game against uh, this Detroit Lions team, which has not, not really been all that solid against the run either. So we've had our predictions, at least for that one. Uh, thank you all again for tuning in again to the Revenge of the Birds podcast. I always appreciate our listeners coming in each and every week. Uh, make sure if you are just finding the show for the first time, uh, make sure you're following our Twitter account at ROTB Pod. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, where they're available on Google Podcasts as well. Art19 is going to be kind of the main posting site. You can Google us as well as find us on revengeofthebirds.com. We'll have all of our links posted there. And Spotify, we are on Spotify as well. There's a lot of Spotify listeners who are out there. Make sure you just download the podcast if you've got that Spotify premium. And we're also on Twitter. I'm at Blake Murphy7. John, where can the listeners find you? I am at Johnny's Football, J-O-H-N-N-Y-S Football. Uh, thank you so much for listening, you guys. We got a couple pods dropping this week. We love doing what we're doing, and, and we hope you guys continue to uh, tune in well into the offseason. Absolutely. And, yeah, and if the Cardinals do end up dropping this game to the Niners, I'll be opening up the GoFundMe as a joke for John to come out to each of the Cardinals games in person just so we can get that good luck charm, at least. I mean, yeah, hey. I would love that. That would yeah, be great. One on the road for the first time in Lambeau and se- last time in Green Bay in 70 years, something like that. Like, maybe you're a Cardinals good luck charm over here. Yeah, yeah, please, everyone, please for me to 10 games. I'm not opposed to that. So <laughs> That'd be fantastic. All right. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Have a good one.
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.